Hey everyone, Eddie here. You are listening to Gran Turismo's, a Gran Turismo podcast. Thanks so much for downloading our special episode number 10. This is our first endurance podcast. Over two hours of fun, wacky, and sometimes insightful listening pleasure for you. We have Road Beef, also known as Tristan Bayless, and Outlaw Quadrant, also known as Rich, Richie Rich Castro. A couple of gentlemen that definitely have past experience with these sort of events. We talk barbecue, how much Monza can suck, how Igor was designed in a lab, and a lot more. Thank you for downloading or streaming this thing. It really means a lot to us. And depending on where you're listening, uh, please do check us out on other outlets for the cast, such as YouTube. Please give us those likes and subscriptions if you like the show. And remember that we're also on iTunes, Spotify, uh, RSS feeds, of course. If you have a podcast app, you can also do that. So please, please spread the word around so we can grow and make things even better. If you like us, that is. Do you, do you like us? Do you, I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid! Now, here is Gran Turismo's episode 10, Nürburgring World Tour Special Shootout at the Koke Corral. Alright, and we are here with the crew for the night. Episode 10, congratulations, we've made it. Yes. 10 episodes, we've beat the statistics. <laughs> it is so good to be with you guys here on the Sunday evening. I am Wardez, also known as Eddie, and I have two special guests I'd like to introduce to you. First one being my friend Rich Castro, Outlaw Quadrant. How are you? I am doing well today. How about you? Very good. Basking in your presence. The uh, second guest we have, who's also worthy of making your day much better, is Tristan Bayless, Mr. Road Beef, as he's known on the PSNs. How are you? Mm, I'm well. How are you? Pretty good. Feeling, tipsy. Uh, feeling quite rotund over here. <laughs> Oh, I'll have to start using that. That's that's going on my uh, my profile somewhere. Hmm. Maybe Gran Turismo. Well, we can start it off with that. What do you guys have on your... I've noticed on your Gran Turismo profile there, Red Beef, that you have uh, uh, quite a random saying. What's the explanation there? Uh, are you referring to, I look forward to challenging you? Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, I chose that as kind of like an ego deflection i wanted to not uh spout about myself i wanted to um encourage people to uh challenge me you know it's <laughs> because i i invite failure um you don't learn anything from winning uh you learn from losing and uh if i can attract i'm i'm in a privileged position where um you know it's like along with you guys we're, we're among a crew of people that have done this so long uh, and accrued so much uh, experience that we're not the easiest people to be in the race. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have this podcast. We wouldn't be going to regionals. Um, so from that privileged position, I, I put that statement out because um, I strive to get better at all times. Uh, that's the point of it. it I, I don't want people to think that I'm unapproachable. Um, if people ask me for advice after a race or something um i i will uh i'll light up at that opportunity uh, it's happened a few times uh, like when i was at race play people wanted to know um how to do the 24 hours of the nervic track a little better 
So after a practice, I had a couple hours free. I'm like, hey, guys, I'll throw up a server and let's just do turn by turn. And here's a TeamSpeak server and we'll talk about it. Um, that kind of stuff was similar to how much I love doing photo mode, uh, spending as much time on photo mode as I do the, the races and practice themselves. Um, it, it's an extracurricular activity that I think uh, can always be um, constructively applied to uh, getting better and going faster. Wow, that's awesome. Quite a nugget is that one. Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Well, I realize Outlaw, you don't really have anything there you can bounce <laughs> off from. He doesn't need anything well, there. <laughs> well, I, I do, I did, um, I forget what message I put exactly. I put, I th- oh, I think I changed my, um, I, I guess the message when you come into a lobby. Oh, yeah. I think I changed that recently to whatever it takes. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, and I think part of it was because of all of my experiences with the live events and how the competition has just become a lot more difficult. You know, it's not like uh, exhibition seasons where, you know, I kind of just played the game because, you know, I just wanted to play every round and get more experience. And, hey, I got lucky that PD decided that they were going to choose, you know, certain seasons to for qualification and... That's how I got in. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, I did get in through Merit on for regionals. And I, <laughs> in a way, I did kind of earn my way to Paris, but it was kind of a strange situation, which I won't get into. But um, I wanted to put that message out there just because I don't mean it as a, I'm going to go out and wreck you and whatnot. No, I definitely don't want to do that. I want to make sure that I, earn what I earn on the track but it's not like um I think in the past I've been a little bit too passive on my racecraft and that you know it's only going to get harder and I need to start defending my position a little bit more still do it clean and fair but I do feel like I I need to start being a little bit more a little less timid about certain moves that I shouldn't make or I should make it's just one of those things to say hey you know, I, I really enjoyed all these experiences and I want to do it again. And so I'm going to put a lot more effort into it. And that's why, you know, I changed, I changed my message. And then I also uh, bought a TGT recently. It's just so that, you know, if it gives me an edge over the competition, then I'm going to go out there and do it. Nice. That's awesome. Man. Both of those messages, uh, you could say, are uh, seed planters they plant different seeds in different people's heads and there's room for interpretation um, depending on who knows you and or if they have experience with you in the past because someone that doesn't know you may see that as you know you your message being whatever it takes they may see that as a sign of aggression or whatever but that could work toward your favor in the sense that they might not want to take chances with you and so you get like an open door you know oh so. yeah oh yeah no i could i could certainly understand how it could be taken that way although I will say it was also uh, inspired by, oh my god, I should know the name of the band, but the, the song, whatever it takes. I, I think it was Imagine Dragons. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it is Imagine Dragons, that song. I just I just love that song so much. It's like, I think I got it off of that just because, of, you know, it's just an inspiring song that, you know, whenever I feel like I need a little bit of boost, I put that on. And cool. that helps me. But it, I'm not, like I said, I'm not. Um, I'm not above helping other people as well because I actually had someone um, last week. I was just doing a random uh, 
lobby at Dragon Trail, just practiced, you know, getting a feel for the next combo, and someone came in, and they asked a couple questions, and that was, you know, I kind of, I was doing a few runs, but I kind of paused, and I tried to give them a few pointers about what you need to do to get more consistency, and I really, um, I really do enjoy that aspect of it, you know, just to, just to see if I can help someone to get a little bit more speed, then that's also a win in my book, because I, you know, I, there were people. There were other people out there, as I was going through the earlier Gran Turismo's that helped me uh, become a better driver. And so I feel that would be appropriate that if I start to return that favor to um, whoever you are, if you're a newcomer or you're a veteran that you know doesn't quite understand the mechanics of the game, I certainly am um, happy to help anyone out there. Because again, I do feel. Uh, you know, for me, you know, it's rewarding for myself when I accomplish something because of what I do and all the efforts that I do. But I also feel some of that same feeling when I help out someone else and they come back and they do a race and they say, hey, I I won a race or I did so much better than I thought I would. You know, you know, I, I feel I contributed to that success. And to me, that's also very satisf- very satisfying yeah man sensei mode i love it it's it really does as you get older and get more experience and stuff helping people out can almost be just as rewarding as uh performing well and doing all that mr wardizi yeah how about your mission statement i done running (laughs) uh you uncovered the embarrassing secret uh it is no um i done running is just it's not as quiet as uh cool as your guys but uh it's just a reference to those gi joe psa remixes that were on the internet back in prehistory body massage (laughs) (laughs) before youtube you know that's going to be in the future there's going to be uh by kind of how there was bc for before christ it will be before youtube and those videos (laughs) were pre-youtube it was like e-bombs world it was like the real time you had to bring up those videos on a real-time media player like that's how old it was new grounds yeah and you guys too it would be all super distorted but yeah someone would report it to flash but uh yeah i just put it on there just in case anyone were to look at my profile and you know if if something like say someone got into an accident with me thought i was a jerk or whatever they go to my profile and they see i done run in they're like oh he's special like i have to leave him alone (laughs) get out of jail free card (laughs) yeah it's a great filter but uh yeah, I was thinking about the recent World Tour. We all watched it last weekend. It was quite a fun event. World Tour number two for 2019. It was in uh, Racing Mecca. It was so cool watching all the uh, different uh, social media posts. It really was like a pilgrimage for a lot of these guys, especially like Portia and... Uh, hell's fire or uh as he's known in real life uh vinicius he uh it was kissing the track surface on the grid type of thing super cool what a what a great um environment to bring all these guys together to have some uh you know more casual racing Mm -hmm. you know uh super fun event and we're here to cap it off or recap everything that's happened give a little overview some breakdowns some hot takes and all of that so thanks for joining me for it guys it's gonna be fun there's lots to talk about lots happened uh 
there's consequences, there's betrayal. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. This is my best clickbait, uh, clickbait voice there. Uh, yeah, and uh, lots of interesting things to take from this event for sure. Uh, a lot of people, it felt, I think, more than any other world tour, this one felt uh, the most like it had actual stuff riding on it. It felt pretty close to an actual, you know, finals event. Mm-hmm. Would you say so, uh, Rich? Yeah, I would say that considering, um, I know we'll cover a lot of things later on, but just the overall drama of, you know, both events is just, especially the way it finished, I think it kind of brought out a lot of emotions from a lot of people. I kind of, I actually didn't even get a chance to look at the chat, uh, YouTube chats um until today and i just noticed that there was a lot of passion <laughs> out there when certain things happened and i know that i had there were moments when i was wa- you know i was watching it live you know you know certain things that happened that i was you know i was really happy for someone or other occasions where you know it was like oh my god this guy just can't catch a break it's you know you yeah. got i got emotionally invested in it just like any other event but I, I guess just the way everything unfolded was a little i think this is probably um i can't i guess it's the most how can i put this i guess it's, it's probably the live event that will probably garner the most attention i guess that's, yeah. that's the best way to put it yeah i would agree with you there because it was a revisit um it was also writing off the success of previous um events uh, a lot of people, even in the sim racing world, uh, real life car racing world, what have you, they uh, missed the previous Nurburgring World Tour event because it was the first of its kind. It was a prototype and it kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people. So revisiting it, um, people got a better sense for the scale of these events and um, the party kind of atmosphere that these uh, contestants are invited to and all of that it's just it's it's a lot of fun and i think they they did it even better than last year they definitely um are getting into more of a rhythm as far as organization and uh yeah it's just it's always improving wouldn't you say that tristan how, what was your take uh, just generally for the whole event for sure it's uh, it felt as polished as monaco honestly um they uh, as you say had the logistics down they um they had a lot of things set up without uh, sort of small little delays or um, things you noticed as they were kind of getting used to how to coordinate a bunch of people and a bunch of processes and a bunch of transitions. Um, they've gotten used to that. Uh, one thing I noticed was uh, those rigs used to have uh, driver-facing cameras on them, and maybe they still do, but they weren't used, at least not that I noticed at the, this live event. Instead, we had uh, a greater use of um, manual camera operators uh, walking in between uh, each driver to get reaction shots. Right. Uh, for example, like when uh, Nico uh, hit off uh, Andrew, unfortunately, in that repercharge charge um, to get Nico's reaction apologizing like over to, to Andrew, I think that added an element because you saw both drivers. Um, the, you could see how they were both reacting to that situation, whereas with the driver-facing camera, you'd only see one. And that's only really telling like one half of the story. Uh, I thought that was a, a good choice that they made. And that was totally random. I mean, like, what are the chances that 
those two guys were sitting next to each other the the camera people must have or i mean the, the director must have loved that it's like you're two guys <laughs> that got into this incident it happened between um andrew also known as def son and nico also known as uh snow or wait ft nico r. As? ft nico r i can't believe i've dropped that dude this is the whiskey talk well this I'm is sorry. how long you've known him it's all right it's okay yes i'm legit dude i go way back oh, gt6 <laughs> look me up um but so it happened between those two in the nation's cup side of things but then also between Alegna, also known as schultz oh sorry i forget his real name um the aston martin driver and the nicosi they were next to each other nick mccosi mm-hmm. and the aston martin mercedes and aston martin came down to the line and they were they happened to be sitting next to each other i don't know some maybe there's a little genie working out there somewhere but that's crazy that they, those those that those two groups of dudes were next to each other and they got a perfect reaction same shot two guys got to see exactly how they handled things it's quite possible this is just a further compliment to the uh, uh growing intuition of the camera crew and the director in general so keep up the good work guys yeah man use your powers for good not for evil but uh, so we could slip from there right into the manufacturer series overview. We're going to begin with that, and I'm going to hand it over to Rich to give us a brief rundown on the goings on for manufacturer series. All right. Um, first off, I know that um, I think one part that either they didn't explain that well, or maybe I just missed it in the introduction is how all the drivers that you saw in there got to qualify. And to my recollection, it was. I think for manufacturers, it was a preseason, uh, one of the 29, I think it's like the first 2019 preseasons. And then for Nations was, I think it was the, was it also preseason? I can't quite remember, but it was definitely uh, a few months back. And so I think there was a little bit, I th- I know that some people were asking me, well, how did these people get here and why, you know, for example, with Aston Martin, you saw Aston, you saw the Aston drivers in Paris, um, the you know these three guys and then next time around it's like wait a minute where do they all go it's it's just you know Paris was kind of a strange uh, a deal because a lot of most of those drivers were still they were still using results from the prior year and I might be wrong I know for Manu that was the certainty I'm not sure about Nations but um, this was like the first live event in which um, races from twenty you know these are drivers that are uh, basically. I guess you could say the 2019 season. So, and it's going to be um, just for clarification. I know for future events it's going to be a little bit different because again, those were uh, more like preseason events that these. You know, that's where the drivers came from. And then from New York on forward, you're probably going to see um, probably all the live events, considering the structure of the FIA season for this year. That you're probably going to see um, a lot of the same drivers uh, from starting from New York City all the way up to the finals. So I guess it's yeah. kind of good or a bad thing. More, you know, Probably more of a good thing just for you know, people getting familiar with the names of the people out there. And so I just wanted to put yeah. that out there beforehand. Mm-hmm. But as far as the manufacturers' race and you know, the whole format in general, I mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that did confuse me early on was um, I didn't realize that um, – I didn't realize this until um, – 
someone had sent me like a screenshot. No, it wasn't a screenshot. It was a video. Someone had was recording video of the qualifying session that they did. And they used expos, which was a little bit odd because normally they would use uh, one single car for nations. And so I just found that decision to be odd because you're doing manufacturers. And so you would think you're going to qualify with your manufacturer's car, but instead they use one's a single car, which I'm not, I'm yeah. not quite sure what the deal was there. Cause that's a, that's something that's changed since, uh, from prior events. And I'm not quite sure why yeah. they went the only that reason, Well, didn't in previous events, I feel like people complained that, um, because Expo is the, is an N300 car, is it not? Yes. And, uh, people are complaining that the car, the BOP, as you go down in speed, it seems like the BOP tends to fall apart more. So maybe, they tested the N300 qualifying uh, with manufacturers, but they found that there was way too much of a, you know, difference between the cars. It was hard to close the BOP gap, you know, maybe. So, and, and, you know, in the heat of the moment, you never know. Maybe they said, let's just have them all qualify in the same car. Where uh, that being said, I don't think Expos was a brilliant choice, but, you know, people did with it what they could. And so... Yeah, right. it, kind of, I mean, it yeah. did give it a little more excitement in the sense that the qualifying order for the first race wasn't as uh, representative as it could have been. Kind of a yeah. mix-up. Right. Right, and then the other thing that I noticed was that, you know, uh, for Paris, we only, um, for people that didn't know, there was the second race, which was the Tokyo race in Paris, was initially a group three race but they later changed it to a group four race which was a little bit unusual and i thought okay maybe that'll be just a one-off because um for those not that familiar with gt sport um the group three cars are you know the, the balance of performance is not perfect uh we'll admit that much but i mean at least it's kind of like within the ballpark so at least you could say you know depending on the track and combo one car is going to be stronger than the other but it's not like a such a massive gap and whatnot to where you know it's not like modern formula one yeah it's not it's not like oh you get to mm. you know one person has a car that drives like a mercedes and then the other guy has a car that has drives like a williams it's not to that extent but it to so it, group four is a little bit different just because the cars are just so different because you got you know you got some uh, fr cars you got some mid-engine cars you got some all-wheel drive cars you got uh cars that power just the front wheels only and so there there can be great disparity in performance between the cars and so i was a little bit surprised that they decided to have the first two races to be group four races because i think i can't recall the last time that they done something like that it's usually has always been group three races because it's kind of like an admission that the group four group four in general has a balancing issue and so I guess it's kind of, I don't know, to me this is like PD is confident that that they got the balance close enough that they could compete with each other in the lab event. I guess that's kind of the overall impression that I got based on what I saw, but whether that's, um, where you, where you, whether you believe that's, you know, group four is an accurate representation, you know, it's a good group to use for lab events, um, that's up to people to decide i personally feel like it still needs a lot of work but you know mm -hmm. that's what they went with and um 
Yeah, and they went with that for the first race, which yeah. was Sardinia, I believe. Sounds it like a, the... it's a tasty snack. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty tasty because there were some uh, dramatic moments later on. But uh, speaking in, well, I guess you could say the same thing for Manu because the uh, Mercedes team with Nick Nicosi, I think that was he was the first driver, right? Is that correct? I'm trying to remember. I think the first race was at St. Croix. Oh, it was Croix. Yeah, St. Croix. Uh, and that I, was it was Bernal. Bernal. Yeah, it was Bern- uh, Bernal. Yeah. Bernal and the Mercedes. Yeah. Oh, yes. He did that uh, two cars at once past uh, second to last corner to get second place. That was pretty impressive. And that was group four. Yes. 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 Okay, there you go. Um, my bearings are almost there. Um, it, at least this time in manufacture, we have more racing because uh, for the final event uh, last year, it was just the, I think one race previous, it was like two semifinal, one semifinal and then just the final race. At I, I believe the first live event um, last year was just one race. It was a one hour race at Nurbert Ring and that kind of, you know, obviously the there was some cars. There was some like MR cars that basically had no chance. So it was kind of nice that they um, they changed the format to what we have now, where you have three individual individual races and then the one final. I think that's a little bit more a little bit more fair to everyone because now everyone everyone gets to have like their own individual race and then you have that's right. a team effort at the end. Yeah, it was all about seat time before, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't fair between Manu and Nations. Nations had like tons of races in practice and Manu just had the one race. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I think they did that probably to make sure people felt like flying all this way was worth it. Yeah. And they were trying to reward consistency, but they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit because I think uh, well, it worked in, in it worked well in some ways and not so much in others because they were trying to reward consistency by making it that if the finishing position that you had for the, the first race determines your starting position for the next race, and so that worked pretty well, rewarding Mercedes until the final race, which was double points at Nurburgring, and that was really the only reason that Toyota won. Yeah, that was rather unfortunate, and I, I think I even mentioned it um, to somebody when I was watching the stream live because I had thought that the final was going to be based on the you know the point standings up until that point, in which case Lexus was, I believe Lexus was still in first place or in second place. Well, they stormed off. And but yeah, then, but then the, you know the because races. but then because Lexus finished last in Monza, then they started last at number rank, which pretty much that their race was pretty much over. I mean, it's just I didn't yeah. think that was fair. It, it's just crazy leading up to Monza, up until the very until the first corner when Mercedes whacked them all. Uh, that really felt like it was just going to be a Lexus parade. Yeah, agree. And uh, what was your take on that incident and to turn one there, Tristan? I'm glad you asked because I was just thinking about uh, debating that. Um, I think that Mercedes had a right to their spot. Um, I watched the replay pretty carefully. And they were not like four wheels off. They were not at a strange angle trying to get back onto the track or avoid the sausage curb. Second half of that's uh, first chicane. Um, Lexus... I think were a little too aggressive and they went for the normal apex to, uh, to exit the chicane and contact then became inevitable. 
Uh, ultimately, you know, the Lexus maybe had half a car in front, but it was not fully in front, and they knew that the Mercedes were going to try. Uh, if they didn't have their radar on, whatever. I, I think ultimately it was a, a racing incident, uh, but a rather unfortunate one. Yeah, um, it was tough in the moment because there's a couple different attitudes when it comes to taking turn one in Monza, just a tight chicane from the long start. And um, some people feel as if they, they have a sense of let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, even if you lose a position or whatever, you got to it's a train rolling through there. And if you don't, you know, there's no you, you, there's no time for slowing down. So Mercedes, I felt had equal um, fear of being ran from behind and also definitely knowing that they could affect the race of the Lexus. And it kind of went down to the uh, scenario that I mentioned in the latter where they ran into them. And of course it's nothing that they want to intend or it's nothing that they want to happen, obviously, but it happened. And, and yeah, you could say Lexus went for, that corner but i think they had corner rights i haven't really looked at it too much so uh you could be on to something with with uh, their position mercedes position on track but like i said i feel like mercedes um was a little bit too afraid of what was going on behind them and ended up just uh, having an unfortunate incident uh but it's one of those weird deals where if if you're a steward and you see a car like mercedes um like the Mercedes in that race, run into someone and then fall back enough. I mean, like, why, why even? You can give them like a warning or whatever. But if they if they already fall back a lot, I'm not sh- I'm not exactly sure how far back they fell from that incident. But I'm not one to kind of kind of add uh, insult to injury, I guess. Well, I I actually did watch that same incident a few times and. I will admit it is a bit of a difficult call, and I will say part of the issue is that in GT Sport, you're not, especially at Monza, and I'm going to go refer back to uh, top 24 superstar races at Monza, and uh, back then we only had the three regions, and all three regions, like it was just a big mess in turn one, and so I oh, think, yeah. um, let's just say I think I think uh, PD intentionally oh, yeah. put Monza on in the live event because they, I, I hate to say this, but I think that's kind of what they wanted. They wanted that chaos that turned one to unfold. Like, that's kind of like what, that's what they wanted to show. It's like, Oh, look at this. It's like big action, big crashes and whatnot. Right. We, we but, need, we need a meme of uh, the Mercedes hitting the Lexus and then Mr. Burns going, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But I, again, I think part, part of the problem with, um, that's uh, GT Sport, at least in terms of that section, is that um, normally, like, if you're in that type of situation, like, oh, I'm going to hit someone, oh, you know, you could just, there is space off the track. You can just go off the track, cut the corner, rejoin, and that way you don't have that type of incident happen. But because um, the way the game works, if that Mercedes driver, because you're right, because the Lexus driver did kind of turn into that apex. As though, you know, I think realistically they should have given some space there, anticipating that the Mercedes is going to be there. But, te- I mean, technically, the Lexus did have the right to that corner. Then, I think in an ideal world, I think in an ideal world, I think the, the Mercedes would have just seen, oh, I'm going to hit this guy. I'm just going to cut 
across the corner yeah, and then exactly. rejoin. But, but the problem is this game will punish you for taking evasive action like that, which I'm not... I kind of wish that they would actually turn off... Porn I wish they would t actually turn that off for live events and just let the stewards decide whether if you cut a corner, like, if you had justification for cutting a corner, like, like in this situation, like, oh, there's a big incident, let's, you know, give them some leeway, like, if you have to cut the corner to avoid a big accident, like, I, I feel like that should be allowed, but since it isn't allowed, like, if you cut the corner, you're probably going to get, like, a two or three second penalty if you do, then the Mercedes didn't, they were kind of in a, in a box, you know, just because the way the Lexus turned in and... How the Mercedes like pretty much just slam on the brakes to avoid hitting them on the quarter panel, and so it's kind of like an unfortunate set of circumstances in mm -hmm. that regard. But technically, like if I was a steward, I would have to give them the penalty just because you kind of like I think everyone in, in at the live events should know the game well enough to to know I can't cut the corner. I can kind of see what's happening. I kind of have to slam on the brakes to avoid hitting the guy. Like I don't want to yeah. avoid an incident like that and. I, I know, it's kind of a tough call, but I do believe like a five-second penalty was warranted in that situation just because of all the ensuing chaos. And the Mercedes driver did, in fact, pull away from everyone else. And so they did benefit from that, um, whether you you know whether you feel that the Mercedes driver was at fault or not. They did gain a massive advantage of that. And so I did feel that penalty was warranted. But uh, we'll probably broach... Uh, this subject now or later, but um, I like that. That was like one call that I do. Did, it was a tough call, but I agreed on. But there were a lot of other calls to which, or non calls that I just didn't agree on at all. But yeah. at least that one, I felt that was a, a tough one, but I think that was a fair call. Yeah, before we move on, if I may, just we've been on Monza for a while, but like yeah. kind of a final, final thought about it. We have uh, this incident between the Lexus and the Mercedes, and we know the Lexus. Uh, had the right to the corner um but what's the wiser move the the hindsight of knowing you had the corner or the self-preservation of avoiding an incident and maintaining a lead albeit not as much of a lead as you would hope to have yeah it's the thing because in, in a moment it's real it's a real possibility that if you were to yield that not only would you have the mercedes um troubling you but uh maybe another car or another two cars and because that's just the nature of that corner and, and exiting from that ch first chicane um it really turns into a nightmare and if the first chicane even if the first chicane is tough the second one can be even tougher if you have three cars four cars trying to fight for that corner so Monza is a really tough one and like we said they picked it for a reason uh, i would have personally had it be maybe the first race so at least you know, Lexus would have had a fighting chance to claw their way back or something, get better starting positions. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, man, that was there were plenty of calls. There was a lot of work for Stewart to do in that race. And uh, but yeah, that's the nature of racing. Uh, you gotta decide in the heat of the moment. And both of those drivers were hoping for the best, not wanting to kill each other. They're having a fun time hanging out at the 24 Hours of Nurburgring together. So yeah, even with that being in consideration still stuff still happens i mean that's just the nature mm -hmm. hmm. but uh, yeah lexus did really well in the first couple solo races uh just and that's also i just wanted to mention um randall's pass that was like a ricardo you know oh Daniel absolutely Ricardo, like, that yeah. was that was going insane. into turn one that was that was 
piece of beauty. That was, and that, <laughs> that was right after he got tangled up in his own yeah, headphone cord. That was uh, definitely very I did not, great. Yeah, I did not see that until today. It's like someone mentioned it. It's like when did that happen? And I noticed that I think it was after he went sideways at the second chicane. He's like, oh, look at that. Yeah. He's got. He's trying to race it. He's trying to untangle the wires. It was just kind of a funny moment right there. Totally. That was a some of the, great slide that he had. Sorry, uh, that some of the brake drift. Oh yeah, that was amazing. Oh yeah, I forgot about that too. He held it, man. He looked like a boss in that in the whole event. It was really cool, awesome show in Bay Randall. But uh, I was going to mention some of the picks that the uh, PD made for these manufacturer races uh, were a little unorthodox. They had the four GT for <laughs> for uh, Monza for the Group Three round there, and uh, I was like, really? That's very that's pretty interesting. I don't know if I would have gone with that, but it's a tough car to handle, and you can see you c- that was evident with the shunt that went from mild to wild in uh, Asari Chicane mm-hmm. because. The guy went off into the gravel, tried going back under the race. He defended himself saying uh, his case was that, you know, there were yellow flags being waved and people should have avoided him. I thought that was a very, like, real-life racer answer. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> but, one was uh, a bit of a strange situation because um, uh, uh, actually yes. um, the guy that was in that race was telling me that the – he actually got punted – well. This is just specu- this is just from that driver, and so there's no way. Unfortunately, I was trying to find a replay of it. I just no good angles, and that's kind of a kind of one of the issues with the with the live event. But we'll get to that later, hopefully. But um, he said he was telling me that he got the Chevy driver hit him from behind, and that's why he went off at Ascari. And I kind of felt bad for him because in that in that section of track, there's really, I guess it's like okay, how do you rejoin? the track as a scar because if you try like it's a bunch of sand there it's like you can't exactly cut across and rejoin safely and so if you try to rejoin kind of like onto the track you know from where he was it's like you're gonna you're gonna end up on the racing line no matter what you do and so it's kind of like are you supposed to just park it there and wait i i, I don't know that was kind of like right. a i could kind of get like why he got penalized for joining unsafely because you know he did what he did caused an incident but it is kind of like a kind of a tough situation because like he didn't i'm not sure what his options would have been and the, the weird thing is like let's say it was the chevy that hit him off i looked at the replay uh mm-hmm. i looked at the live stream today and apparently chevy got a penalty for that so i'm guessing it was for hitting the ford but then the chevy only got like a one second penalty and then the Ford driver got three seconds for um, dangerous rejoin, and so it was like that doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to be kind of fair because the Chevy is way out ahead after everything, and he only gets one second, and then the Ford loses out yeah. big time, and then they get a, a three second penalty on top of it. So it's kind of oh, that's kind of unfortunate. It, it brings up an interesting point, Rich, about mm-hmm. the the sand. It's like it's too forgiving. The Ford spun out and essentially came to a stop in the sands. Should the sands be a, a death pit that you can't escape if you mess up so bad that uh, you uh, spin out into the sand? I think uh, Adam in the GT uh, did the efficient thing and exited the sand at a right angle, the shortest possible distance to like the grass and a curb and a pavement to get going again. But uh, he was only afforded that opportunity because the sand was so forgiving in the first place. Should it be more uh, more consequential? 
Hmm, it's a tough question to answer because um, in that specific circumstance, um, him being in the sand wasn't of his doing. It wasn't like, or at least oh, he did. Did he uh, get shoved supposedly. into the sand? That yeah. that was that was that's what he told okay, me. Okay, but that, again, that this does is, change uh, the question. Though. But Go but ahead. again, it's it's just yeah, anecdotal. I, I will say, uh, let me put it out there. That's just from what the driver told me. So and there's no really any way to confirm. Like there, there were like a, several other incidents that weren't shown on the live stream. So part of it's just based on what I've been hearing. But that's but it seems to make that's kind of the impression that I'm getting because Chevy did get a penalty and. It will only make sense that Chevy got a penalty because it, they hit the Ford off at Ascari, and so yeah. I'm going to assume that he got hit off. But again, yeah, it's it's kind of a tricky thing because, like I said, if you went off on your own volition, like if you made your own mistake, and you just up outbreak yourself and you're into the kitty, then that's yeah. A lot of times that's race over. But if you get punted into it, then that's kind of like it's kind of one of those things. Like, do you really want to mimic real life to where if you get stuck <laughs> yeah. in the kitty, you're, you're kind of stuck there forever? Well, that, I One thing I noticed a lot of people saying in the stream was, or in like Facebook comments and stuff, uh, they were like, oh, it looks so fake. Seeing the cars bouncing around like pinballs when they were going into turn one. That's like, so many people were saying, they, that was the moment where they realized, like, yeah, this is, uh, this looks a little strange. Just uh, the physics of bouncing. Oh, yeah, and, the, yeah, the no collision physics are a little and... bit weird. It is, it is a bit like a pinball, because I've, I've been, <laughs> un- unfortunately, I've been on receiving in un- of pinball. Yeah. Motions are actually, although in some ways it is true because, uh, true story. Like I was in an accident, um, like a couple of years ago, and I was like, it was a, a multi chain accident, and I was, um, like I was like the third car hit, but then I had hit a pickup truck, and so all the like the momentum just stopped there, and I feel like everyone else got away. With basically no injuries, and I'm the one that took the full brunt of the hit, even though I was not the one that was hit initially. So maybe there is some truth in that. If you hit multiple cars, then you get pinball. You get that pinball. <laughs> you get that pinball bit. motion where no you, crunch. You're not the. You know, you're not the one that gets. You're you're the one that gets hit last, and so you're the one that gets you know shot off into Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all I'm saying is I'm down for some heavy damage, but uh, so. That we talked a lot about Monza. What was your guys' favorite personal races of the manufacturer of the four that we did, uh, that we got to see, uh, starting with Tristan? It was really quick. I really enjoyed the last race, uh, the Nations race. Oh, yeah, NURB. Hard to beat. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Just talking I mean, manufacturer. NURB was excellent, but, uh, yeah, sorry about manufacturers. My apologies. No problem. Um, I mean, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Nürburgring. I, uh, I enjoyed that quite a lot i thought that the battle for the win all the way up to the finish was quite thrilling i thought that uh, as those two guys bumped each other going over dottinger hoa was like a weird kind of pilot induced phenomena them bouncing off and correcting their bounce off uh, at uh, identical moments um was uh, a very rare thing to witness um yeah everybody was was on point uh, it it looked very professional, um, very passionate. Uh, it showcased the quality of the game, in particular, the uh, the realism of of camera placement and uh, zoom and focal length and following the vehicles and just uh, you know making it look like the real thing. Um, Nurbo is definitely the the favorite, although the others were still, of course, fun to watch. Yeah, and we got introduced to Sardinia. 
for the first time with one of the races, I believe. Porsche. There's one where Porsche showing well. Yeah, and that brings up the idea of maybe physics were a little bit different. A lot of the people that were at the event said that they felt things were different. Uh, not exactly sure how. I mean, maybe a little more grip is the popular sentiment, but yeah, I mean, I felt the same thing every time I. I hear people go to, or I hear from people that have gone to events. They they notice a difference, and it could be placebo. But I personally felt a difference in um, the 2018 regional finals for North America or for Americas. And yeah, it's just interesting. It's, it, that definitely changed the order up a little bit. Porsche was definitely more viable compared to the online uh, kind of performance that it's going on with right now. Uh, may I suggest a, a possible explanation for the um, perceived feeling of a greater grip? Yeah. So th- these are rigs built by uh, professionals. I, I think it was, it was Toyota, they said, built these rigs um, mm-hmm. using, uh, I forget what brand, but you must presume like a high quality televisions with um, high quality connections and uh, when I speak to people about professional gaming in other games like, uh, I don't know, Overwatch, League of Legends, Super Smash Brothers, often the, the, the topic that is talked about most, most is uh, latency. Latency between input and uh, visual representation. Um, and I know for a fact, like my Vizio has probably like 10 or 20 milliseconds of latency. Uh, something that's if it's consistent, it's recoverable, and you can get used to it, and that it works. But uh, the closer you get to zero milliseconds, like on a CRT or a plasma television or something, the better, because um, then your inputs uh, are, are are inputted and translated and uh, adapted to uh, faster uh, by your by your brain, by your eyes, and everything. So, what if what we're perceiving and interpreting maybe as more grip is in fact Uh, a lower total latency between input and visual representation at these live events than what we're used to at home. Yeah, I would definitely buy that. And it's something that because uh, GT is still kind of getting started as an e-sport, so to speak, it's something that hasn't uh, taken quite as big a hold as other bigger platforms. But uh, once it gets to the point where we're fighting, (laughs) there's hundreds of people fighting for the same split room then then the topic of uh, latency might become bigger because people are going to be fighting for scraps as far as qualifying edge and uh you know it'll take like you might be bumped out of a a room for having dr that's like you know just 20 lower than the other guy and stuff so yeah it could get pretty crazy in the future but there's something to look into for people that that may be talking about it more talking about their difference in experience at live events versus their home events they may they may want to check out their their tvs or their setups and stuff and we've seen some pretty spartan setups from people and people you know even like igor is a big uh you know he's always an inspiration but one thing that has always impressed me is that he can be so consistently fast even if he's on a t150 g29 a tv you know that he found in some mechanic shop there's a great shot of him doing uh playing gt in the garage of his uh, euro formula 3 mm-hmm. uh or regional formula 3 garage so 
it's it's also can't be it also can't be an excuse but if you're optimizing and everything of course it's there's plenty of ways to do it but you can always get yourself by if uh if you really put the time in like you said um that brings up well that's almost a wrap on manufacturer series uh anything else that I, we may want to talk about um, before moving on i might on? just go over um some miscellaneous things about manu um, yeah St. Croix, um, I thought that race was generally okay. I felt that, you know, it did favor power cars in general. And so uh, you could tell that the Toyota was struggling compared to everyone else, but they did a good job just hanging in there. Um, I know something happened to the Chevy driver. I don't know what happened. Like, they just they just were there, and then they suddenly spun off. So that was unfortunate of them. Um, I know that um, say, there was some controversy between um, Porsche and Mercedes because there was a move made right before the bridge. Oh, and yeah. and e- even now, I'm not quite sure what happened because it's, you know, it only got that one angle. You couldn't quite tell what happened. But um, in retrospect, that cost Mercedes um, the championship because they were, I believe Mercedes was in second place at that point, And they fell down to eighth or ninth. So just imagine if they... It was just a nice, simple pass, and the Porsche was ahead, then um, Mercedes would have been much further ahead in the point standings, and, you know, we wouldn't even had that ending. Um, that ending, you know, at the end of Nürburgring would have been, it would have been neat, but the stakes would have been a little bit lower because, you know, the championship was decided. So um, it's kind of important to remember that um, that moment because I did change. That one moment affected something later on. So it didn't, it didn't really dawn on me until later how big that moment was and whatnot i I was a little bit surprised that was there was no investigation on that incident and that's what's one of many that wasn't even looked at so my question why that wasn't looked at um then what was the race after that saint croix you had sir sardinia Sardinia, which that was that might have been my favorite race actually Oh yeah, dude. especially when it, that fight for the podium. Just be, is, yeah, like just P4. because yeah, just because I felt there was a lot more action from start to finish. Like, not don't get me wrong, the number ring is a great technical track with a lot of history, but I don't find the racing there to be um, that exciting. Just because it's just uh, you know, once you get to the actual that, ring part of it, then a lot of it's just single file. You just hope for someone to make a mistake, and that was. I guess it's kind of neat for the technical challenge of it, but from um, from a, from a viewer's perspective, I think from start to finish, like Sardinia was probably my favorite yeah, of man. it. Um, yeah. th- there were some, um, again, some. <laughs> there were definitely some moments out there. Um, just to, before I before I forget to mention it, um, I feel really bad for Tijni, aka Martin Grady, because <laughs> I feel like for every it seems like a tradition now, like at every live event, he's gonna get punted off. Hmm. It's really a shame because he's such a nice guy. He's a, such a clean and fair racer out there. He's super he's, fast. Yeah. He always helps he out people. A, and he wears a suit. He smells good. Yeah, he deserves more. <laughs> and, and his reward is to get punted off at every live event. I don't understand why the racing gods just just <laughs> team, just seems to give him like this just the worst treatment. And I'll get to um, Devson later on because I feel like maybe uh, he's part of that club now because he's also such <laughs> yeah. a nice guy and. But well, like I said, we'll get to that later. But yeah, um, man. um, but the congrats to Andrew for winning that race. And then um, a weird thing, like um, people, maybe not everyone caught this, but um, 
Ford was um, they had to switch out drivers, and so we had um, Dodge Mr. Lamb in Solis. that car. Yes, yes, he was in that car, and he he did really well. Although I'm not oh, quite man, sure yeah. why he got um, there was a penalty. He got a penalty at the end, which I don't, I didn't quite understand why he got a penalty. I think it was with Chevy, um, and then he that, yeah, that's think, that's what yeah it they said. had some sort of contact, right? Well, that's what it said. When I actually looked at it right before we started this um, podcast, and I think that was a mistake. It, I believe it was between um, – it was the incident where that Toyota went wide at one corner. And then as the Toyota tried to rejoin here came um, Dodge Lamb. And, it, you know, they just kind of collided and it kind of kept the Toyota, you know. It was kind of like a – here's the Toyota trying to rejoin. Here comes Danny trying to run his racing line. I think it was just a graphical error. I think it was it – was, it meant – it should have said – um, Ford and Toyota, not Ford and Chevy. So I think that's where it came from. That, I'm, I'm only speculating, but that seems to make the most sense because I tried to find an incident between Chevy and Ford. I didn't see one at all. So I'm guessing it's, it was a graphical error in that part. But yeah, that, that race was kind of nutty. You, you kind of saw lots of contact between the Porsche and the Mercedes, which held up the Jag, and then they kind of brought in the BMW and the, the BMW do that dive, and then they did... BMW spun. It was just a bit of a nutty race, which I kind of, I got a bit of frustration from the driver's perspective, but from watching it out here, it was like, damn, that's a good race. And I'm kind of looking, I'm actually looking forward to that track, um, both A and B. Yeah. And we didn't get to see, we didn't get to see the the C layout, I believe, but um, I know we'll probably get yeah, to see C is combined. Yeah. C is the combined layout, right? I, I, I honestly one. don't know. We didn't see it, so I don't know. It is, but I have the characteristics, the general impression from that track was a little tough since it was just on. We can only see it from you know the replay angles, but it seems to me almost like sort of a um, Alsace in Italy. Wait, yeah, not in France, Alsace. I think it's in Sicily. Yeah, and uh, or Sardinia region or yeah. whatever. But um, yeah, it's just it's pretty. It feels like kind of a road course, or not road course. It feels like a, a high, like an actual public road. It's kind of yeah. fusion farm, farm stuff all over the place. Yeah. Oh. But we'll go a little more into depth about that once we cover Nations Cup. But don't worry about the uh, time at this point, guys. Uh, hopefully, Tristan isn't getting too tired. Are you good with this? Oh bro? yes. Nice. Yeah. Just checking in, making sure, because this might be a long one. Yeah, we have so much to. I know. You know I know. So that's, to cover, and we have two awesome three people here on the podcast to talk right. about it. So I'll just hurry up and just get to. Um, well, we already talked about Monza, so we can skip that. And then Nurburgring, Ring. Um, I think the most obviously you have to finish. But then one other note that I jotted down: um, the fact that Porsche only got a two-second penalty for basically running the Aston off and. Um, have you know basically the Aston spun and that was the end of their efforts, which is kind of sad because Aston was doing really well um, in that race, and then um, it's kind of weird. Like, why why is that a two second penalty? But you know, that's kind of yeah. rather than a five. Well, but well, we'll just we'll just end it in that. But the finish, I mean, just the just the way that it's set up is, I mean, I just cannot, you know, just the I can only see the producers and everyone's like. This is like all the stars have aligned. Like, how could it get better than here comes the you know here comes the Mercedes on better you know obviously the uh, I think Nick Macosi had soft tires at that point and they only had like one lap of wear but 
they were still faster than what the Toyota had, and you had the gap closing. You know, I, you kept looking at the intervals, like it's closing down, it's closing down. So you know, nine seconds, eight, seven, six. Every sector it kept closing down, and then you get to <laughs> they're within slipstream range just in time for that long run all the way to the end. It's just. I can only imagine how magical magical a moment that was for everyone there to have it unfold that way. It's like the winner of this race will the one that crosses the line first is the one that wins. It's just um, so amazing. And then to have you know to have how it have it ended. You know how the discussion of whether that's a penalty or not a penalty. Because I was I was back and forth on this. Like I don't know how to call that. Like if I was to do it, I don't even know how to call that because you know it's it's you know it's it's the last corner. It's the last it's for the win. It's like, how can you, how can you make a call like that? It's, it must've been so hard. Yeah. You, you, well, you can't really. I mean, it's some, it's, it's the thing where the guy's going for an outside pass and he just throw threw it in. It's like, what are you supposed to do? He held his line. That's all he can do. The, you know, defending driver. And I think it's a racing incident pretty clearly. And I would have been really disappointed with another um, outcome, but yeah, I mean, and then from there, uh, I just want to mention for to wrap up, Manu, how uh, Jaguar did and they, the team getting to work together for the first time that was uh, comprised of um, Kenomos from Australia or the Oceania region. Then we had Vinicius or Hellsfire from the CSA, Central South America. And then we had uh, making his debut on the world stage for Gran Turismo. It was P. Leach, also known as Mr. Stinky Bug. Really super nice dude. Awesome to see him doing well with uh, Jaguar, or doing the best that he could given the circumstances. Um, Jaguar did awesome, finished sixth overall, had a few. Um, uh, that, st- that start of the race in uh, Sardinia, uh, the second race with Group 4, I believe, that was awesome from Vinicius. He started out super strong, and the tires just let him down a little bit toward the end and uh, allowed the field to catch him up, and it kind of turned into a bloodbath. Uh, if you haven't seen this, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the race, you're ridiculous. You should go uh, watch that before listening to us spiel about it. But yeah, it's definitely one of the funner moments I've had watching a GT racing in any format. Uh, didn't quite out, didn't quite come out as good as it could have for Jaguar, but uh, still fun watching Vin um, doing his first live event with a wheel, uh, having stuck in, stuck to wheel driving since the uh, last event. He's really shown that he uh, is a force not only online but in live events. Yeah. Well. So and big, just to, and just ups. to add to that, he, he doesn't, he has to set up with, he has it on an ironing board of all yeah. things. It's mm-hmm. just so crazy. He's like, that's how dedicated the man is. Like he's got the wheels set up. It actually, it's not a bad setup when you think about it. It's an ironing board, but Hey, you made it, he's making it work. Oh yeah, man. It's awesome. Dun, 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 nation's cup. Let's play the intro that we've heard thousands of times. Oh jeez, it's so funny watching people on their phones when that's playing in the live event, <laughs> sitting on the white chairs, just being like, "All right, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to just roll your finger, yeah. you roll your hand, and be like, all right, let's get on with it.'" But uh, yeah, really fun Nations Cup event. Uh, definitely not as many new faces as we had for Manu. Uh, it's kind of the same old, same old situation. Not to say that we're tired of their faces yet. But... Yeah, operative word being yet. 
<laughs> but it was good to get these guys all back together again for another good old, you know, showdown. See what they can do. See who's improved or who has not. And uh, yeah, man, lots of impressive uh, drives from lots of different people. Uh, the first race, and you, Tristan, uh, paid attention to the Nations Cup race pretty well, right? You watched it live, but Nations Cup, I feel like, sticks in your memory a little bit more. What was your take on the uh, the, the overall format and uh, that such stuff? I like the format. Um, I mean, what was the thing that stuck in my mind the most was like, how did Igor win with a TT? That's redonkulous. Um, oh, yeah, man. That was a huge... Uh, something that might maybe n- didn't look as impressive to people that that aren't as into GT Sport. Yeah. But, yeah, what an impressive drive from him to not only win, but to win in a dominating fashion. I wish that these uh, uh, live event replays were uploaded and, like, shared by uh, Petey. Oh, yeah. so big, big wish. So we could ride on board with uh, Igor and see if he was, like, adjusting brake bias to, you know, minus five or something like that. Let's, let's find the explanations. We want to be as fast as Igor, so, hmm. you know, put it up there. Um, what was the first track? Or I the, think it was, was Fuji. Yeah, Fuji N three hundred, right? Yeah, Nurburgring. Nurburgring. Oh, oh pardon me, Nurburgring. My bad. Right. My bad. Um, Same track, very similar. The GP circuit. <laughs> yep. Um, yes. The second race I missed, uh, and uh, I I caught the final with the X twenty nineteens at Sardinia, uh, which was itself like an incredible race. But uh, we can save that if you wanted to talk about the other races. Uh, if if the two of you watched those. Well, the second race I did watch, it was the Goodwood Festival, or Goodwood um, Circuit, uh, and it was N400? I think that's right. Was it, Rich? I think it... It was like Cobra's uh, old supercars. I want to say it's N400 or... Yeah, I think it was N400. And that race was pretty exciting. I mean, we had um, Imagino starting in the uh, Countach, you know, as he should. And you had some really tough rivals right behind him fighting for position, trying to get that sweet, sweet position for the the, fi- the following race. But um, he's it started off well. It seemed like Imagino was gonna kind of take it, take an easy victory. But things really came to a, a dramatic kind of finalization for the later parts of the race because uh, he suddenly had. You know, Brooks was more of a threat. You had um, uh, Black Beauty. And the Cobra. Yeah, Makozi and the Cobra was definitely a big threat, and he was just running. He, like that, you know, Cozy throughout every event, it seemed like he was always kind of on the back foot as far as, like, he may not have had a great starting position. He always, he seemed like the guy with a knife in his mouth just swimming through the Amazon, you know. It was just, there was so much chasing. He, he was like the Terminator, or he was like T-1000 if you were, if you're talking Germinator too, but uh, yeah, in that particular race, um, that chicane, man, it really came down to the chicane and and a lot of uh, tears for our buddy Andrew Brooks. Unfortunately, um, the Japanese driver. I, 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 do you remember his last name, or was it Hong Kong? Was it? I, I think it was a Japanese was. driver, and I forget. Um, Su Sukawawa, or I probably yeah, got that wrong. Yeah, was it Black yeah. Beauty? Was his name? I think. Mm-hmm. Is a PSN. He, uh, oh man, what a tough position. That was something that is worth um, rolling over a lot. We'll t- we'll keep it a little more condensed here, but the basic 
uh, you know, rundown was that they tried to squeeze into a, one of the small chicanes in Gran Turismo, trying to go too wide through that was never going to work, and neither of them yielded. I do feel that Andrew had more of a, more of a right because he got so much better of a drive out of the previous corner to the chicane. And I was, I thought it was over. I saw it, I saw him getting the inside, and I was like, yep, the guy's definitely going to... Bro, he's not breaking. He's not... Oh, no. It was one of those kind of <laughs> chain reactions. And and that allowed um, Nokozi to get through, I think, and he may... Oh, uh, he was already ahead. I forget, oh, I forget, I forget who it was, but yeah, whoever was... I, I, Andrew Somebody Luck, like, was a big winner. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but um, and then and also in that race, which was uh, frustrating for Fabian, was that uh, he just he got a big penalty for having some side swiping action with someone. I feel like, uh, and that was unfortunate, but it was also kind of uh, entertaining, dramatic in a dramatic sense because he was not happy about it, and you could hear that shit. It was pretty, <laughs> it was crazy that you could hear him uh, like coming over, coming on in through the mics of the commentators, <laughs> just yelling about the penalty, and he wouldn't stop. It was like a solid two laps of him just <laughs> going off, man. I can't lie, that was that was that was hilarious, and you gotta love the passion, right? Yeah, I mean... yeah, that's the one thing that um, I know that uh, Fabian isn't exactly. Uh, I get the impression he's not the most popular driver out there, but I can't, I can't. Um, I can't help but admire his passion. You can't, you can't deny the man doesn't have passion. He cares a lot. Well, and he's so good at road cars that that seemed like a combo that was just like, man. Yeah, but again, it's a kind of like kind of he's trying to run his way through, kind of like a roulette with you know, you get the car that you have. To yeah, drive. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another thing. Uh, you don't have control over. You're just gonna. It's the luck of the draw. You never know what you're gonna get. And yeah, that it was a new track. Or a newish track. Not a lot of people were super savvy on it, but it led to some great racing. That that was definitely a highlight of the weekend. Was watching that one, and uh, that also determined because it was the top four that went on. That's why it was so frustrating for Brooks. Yeah, because he was with, trying to get the fourth son. spot, and yeah, he yeah, and he had it locked, and then he didn't. Big shame. And uh, I think Rick BMX was maybe a winner in that, or Darush or something. But um, that was another th- oh debut for a live event was Rick BMX. I forget his last name. It's pretty difficult to pronounce. But he had an awesome showing. And I had been looking forward to him being a part of these live events for a while because I think he recently, as did Randall in the U.S. side of things, he just became 18 and was able to start going to these live events. So it was cool to see him in there just to throw that in. But... Uh, yeah, man. Uh, th- that determined who was going to go to the repechage and who was not. Who was going to go on to the finals without having to get all wet and stuff. Which brings up the topic of rain. It was a rumor in the previous episode, but it has now become a slippery and slighty torque dis- distribution-y reality. And so I think a few people were sort of underwhelmed by the rain because it just seemed like things were just slower it didn't really seem to make the cars uh, very fidgety mm-hmm. it just made it seem like the cars were on uh, a harder compound tire really yeah. and i think some of that may be coming down to the fact that they chose rally cars uh group b uh for the gts folks um they were on wet tires i think that one of the races 
was in light rain and the other one was in heavy. I'm not sure. Yeah, I watched yeah the they, they kind of showed the two. And I think the commentators said that the physics were the same regardless. It was just a visual effect, which I didn't quite get. Yes. And since we, we weren't there ourselves, we can't. I don't know if that was a mistake or whether that was actually true. Yeah, it didn't quite. I wasn't clear on that either because it made it seem like I heard them. And at first, I took it as them saying that rain doesn't even affect the way anything happens. But then I was like, no, that can't be right. I might be able to clarify. Um, we we have this the WhatsApp chat with uh, several competitors there, and right after the rapid charge, I think qualifying, um, I asked them. Is the grip any different offline, like you'd expect it to be? And the answer was flatly no. It's just a reduction of grip overall. Um, oh, that's right. And, yeah, I remember that. Uh, and you'd figure that, uh, you know, on any track, there's going to be a puddle or two that form that cause like a hydroplaning where you've just got, you're just driving on ice for, you know, a patch of 20 feet, 50 feet or something like that. Uh, that did not appear to happen. I think it was primarily visual. Um, maybe it's just, you know, game and, uh, engine and processor limitations. Um, it, I bet hydroplaning and, um, offline grip differences could be implemented, but, um, I, I bet it would take a, a whole lot of processor speed. It would probably be as, uh, intensive as VR. And as you know, VR can only be played in single player. Yeah, I, I think part of the thing is like I, I remember doing a few rain races back in um, GT6 and I or was it GT5? I can't remember which one, but I distinctly remember that, you know, it did work like it would in real life. Like you had to go um, off the racing line. Like it's better that you stay off the racing line because a racing line in the rain is super greasy. Well, as you know, be going on the dirty side of the track and it's almost like you have to drive the track not in reverse but kind of like you use the op you know the complete opposite lines that you would in dry conditions or at least if you ever watch like several f1 races like you could tell like the top the best guys know um like hamilton and um verstappen will stay off the racing line and they're just whizzing by everyone else that's staying on the racing line. It's like, guys, you should watch what everyone else is doing. But again, um, back to the game, like, um, GT6, I think had that correct or GT5. Um, mm -hmm. I think we even, um, I forget when we did, I think we did like a, like a, not like a live event or something. I, I vaguely remember doing like a, like a GT, uh, Grand Turismo related event where, we did a, oh i think it was actually uh gt academy uh, i I'm, I'm almost certain that we actually did a rain race uh for regional finals uh like this is a long time ago and i still remember that i didn't know it back then that you had to race off the racing line and so i think i was actually i was the one that brought up the question like is that say can you actually go off the racing line in the live event you know at Red Bull ring and is that the preferred line and yeah I remember that the answer was no and so that was a little bit disappointing because it's kind of like okay then they probably just lowered the grip as Tristan had mentioned and so that's um, I'm not even sure if we're going to get that um, if we're ever if, if this rain thing is just for live events or whether we're all going to get it 
uh, at a later update. I still would want it, but it is a little bit disappointing that it's not. It seems like it's a step. I guess it's a step forward in gra you know, in terms of graphics, but in terms of actual rain racing, it does sound like we're actually going backwards compared to what we had before. So that's kind of a. Uh, I'll admit, I was disappointed that when they said that that you can't use that tech that tactic. So I guess it's just a. <laughs> I guess it's just splash splash look at the graphics type of thing <laughs> yeah but I do think it, was, it will serve the purpose of being more of a well it can be a great equalizer as it's called in the racing where you know a lot of the advantages from cars or, or people being super uh, accustomed to the way things are already throwing rain into the mix could uh, start to show uh, difference, like sh certain drivers may show up with more strength. Yeah, no, I hear you. Which is good. Yeah, because I've, um, another point I wanted to make is like the Repercharge race um, at Germany was rain, and then you had in Paris you had a rally race, and um, regional finals for the states last year was <laughs> Ford Raptors at Willow Springs. So I, I kind of get the impression that. PD tends to maybe maybe it's just a coincidence, but I feel like they're using the repercharge races to throw in like the like wacky. Uh, I guess you can call it wacky stuff. Like you get to you have to race trucks, you have to do a rally race, and now you get a race in the rain. So I'm kind of feeling like they're kind of they're trying to throw, throw like a curveball at the repercharge races just to give it a little bit more excitement. But I'm just speculating here. But that's kind of the impression that I'm getting. This. And so maybe for the future live events, you, you might get something, you know, it's not going to be rain. It might be some other weird uh, thing that they're going to go out there. Some and element do. they'll throw. Yeah. yeah. And I think it is, what, like you mentioned, it, I, I think it is just to, so that it kind of throws everyone a curveball. And so it could be, you know, you can't just go out there and um, practice this at, well, practice this at home because obviously you know, you can't practice rain at home right now. There's just no way. And so it's kind of like up. Yeah. They only had the time. They only had the time in Germany to practice that specific combination. The rally. Well, they obviously you could do that at home, but it's kind of like you never actually have any practical, you know, actual experience racing in rally since we don't do it in FIA. And so it's like I said, I think they just want to throw in those curveballs to give uh, level the playing field a little bit. What is your um, kind of ideal situation when it comes to racing in the rain and uh, in Sims? And what would you like GT to have in the future, Tristan? Well, PC simulators are, because of the abundance of computing power available from people who uh, build their own gaming PCs uh, with modern, you know, up-to-date hardware, uh, that allows that game engine uh, to model offline grip, uh, accumulation of debris, uh, hydroplaning on little puddles, depending on saturation of the, the race course, which is uh, uh, importantly, and this is the thing I hope GT will uh, implement. I'm sure they will. It's, it's got to be all down to hardware limitations, but uh, adaptive uh, tracks, tracks that uh, will change the water content based on uh, a moving storm front or the time of day. And, um, you know, humidity levels will... Uh, change how quickly the water will evaporate from the track. Uh, uh, maybe you can have 
winds that uh, throws uh, leaves and dirt and other debris onto the track in certain corners. Um, something that is that would add to the chaos uh, in in a plausible and realistic way would be something for the wish list. Nice, soggy pit stops as well. Those would be slower. <laughs> <laughs> Got to change my diapers. Get <laughs> a model someone falling down in the rain as they tried to change the tire. Oh yeah, especially me. Yeah, yeah. That do you guys agree that with pit stops, uh, although they're you know modeled nicely and they look yeah. great and and they're they're realistic, there should be very. Uh, I would love to have uh, some kind of driver input determining the overall time of the pit stop, like not just selecting the, the tire type and how much fuel you want to put in, where you have the little diamonds <laughs> that I didn't know existed until a few weeks ago <laughs> to tell you how much fuel needs to go in. Uh, that's a true story. I don't know how I've gotten this far without knowing that. But anyway, I digress. It would be nice to have like a, you know, press, like a, a heavy rain or a, what is that detective game from Rockstar uh, where you push X for doubt. Uh, yeah, um, L.A. Uh, Noir. L.A. Noir, yeah. Uh, where you have like X for left oh, yeah, front, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. square for right front, triangle for right rear, and circle for left rear. Yeah. Uh, you know, just you got to do it in order within a certain time frame for your mechanic to have an optimum on-off. Like at, at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, you have two mechanics, not a team of like 20. Right. Right. They're going corner by corner. Um, it would it would certainly interesting. Uh, add just another level of skill. Yeah. Right. Another another thing to practice. Uh, I think the more things to practice and, and the greater depth we have to uh, the application of talent, uh, the, the, the greater uh, number of surprises we'll have and, yeah. and we'll have a, a greater variety of not just cream rising to the top, but like varieties of flavor of cream yeah, rising to the top. Some people are strawberries, some people are <laughs> vanilla, other people are chocolate, you know. I, I'm personally horchata. But uh, <laughs> I had horchata today. <laughs> delicious. It was delicious. Cinnamon drink. Well done. But uh, yeah, I think that'd be great. Even if it was something as simple as like, you you know, and everyone's played Madden, FIFA, whatever. But there's a, there's like a an overriding mini game where it's like, it's pretty much a little rhythm game. We have to tap X to start the kick, to tap again to set the strength, and tap again to set the accuracy, right? I think that would be cool in pits and GT because it would allow for a little more, yeah, variation. It's like right now the pit stops are boring. You guys, you go in, the only thing that can possibly affect the outcome is if you had saved enough fuel or whatever. Maybe you have to fuel up more. Some people to choose to fuel up more so they can kind of be more aggressive in the next stint. But... Yeah, I think adding a little bit, because this is the thing, and how it relates to reality is in real life, a guy, yeah, driving into the pits is whatever. Some people get crazy wanting like fully manual stops. I'm not necessarily there personally, but I think the biggest thing is stopping accurately in your box, because that is definitely a a major component of of a successful pit stop in real life. So if Mm -hmm. you were... I would if you agree. were to add a little mini game where we were supposed to stop at the right time and then get going at the right time, hit the clutch, whatever, release the clutch, and so on at the right time, then that would be pretty awesome. Because you go in, maybe you're like right behind uh, one of your rivals. You go in and you're thinking like, oh, I might be behind him, but I know this dude sucks at pit stops, so at least I have a chance, something to hope yep. for. Yep. Other other sim games and PCs, uh, you know, some of them twenty years old have. Uh, uh, properly uh, simulated such a thing uh, if you uh, stop too short stop too little, little too far it takes an extra couple of seconds for your crew to begin work on the car um, 
I think that it would be great to implement in GT. However, I think uh, we talked about earlier, the strange impact mechanics of GT might need a little tweaking before it's safe for us to enter the pits uh, under manual control. Uh, otherwise, uh, we will um, be playing uh, Sebastian's, Sebastian Vettel's favorite game, ping pong. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, well, we went on quite a, uh, a tangent there talking about well, starting with the whole rain being in the repetage race, but uh, going back to it briefly, I do want to give major props to a few guys. First one being Adam, uh, now known as Williams Adam, I think. It's PSN changed. He's all Hollywood now. I don't, yeah. He doesn't pick up my call, my phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> He's too cool for school. He's in the Williams eSports team. He uh, made a huge splash in the online. In the final season, or the final online component of the 2018 season where he pretty much dominated. And then he got to the live events and didn't dominate, but still had a good showing, still had some, you know, people know he's super strong. He got signed to Williams. That's all you need to know. But he absolutely killed it in the repertage race uh, in the rain in that uh, car that he had. I can't remember, can't recall which one it was, but... Yeah, man, uh, that was really cool watching that. It was pretty sad to see the big moment of the stream, uh, maybe even the whole shebang, when uh, Nico was going for a pass on the inside going into turn three at Austria in the wet, in a rally car, Chile behind <laughs> him, pushing him all the way right into a Canadian. That sucked. It was horrible because you could see both of their reactions due to some crazy godlike luck that the producers had. Uh, One camera to rule them all. Both looks. Hmm. Adam was having, uh, sorry, Andrew Defson was having none of it when uh, Nico looked over toward him with the most sympathetic face ever. But uh, and just as, as a reminder, that it was his birthday too. That's oh, that's yeah. probably like the worst part of it. It's like it's your birthday. You made it to a live event and. He could have had fourth at Goodwood. He was like that close to getting fourth and go advancing to finals, and then he doesn't, and so he's got to do the ripper charge. Now he's in third place, and then you have Nico, which I'm gonna just want to put it out there. He definitely not intentional. I could tell right away. It's oh, like yeah. I think he knew right away. Like he broke way too late, and it's kind of like he's kind of like a bad spot because he couldn't swerve out because he had someone there, and so it's kind of like. I think it was just try, trying to turn it right to just try to avoid something. But it's kind of like, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, he's going to hit him. It's like, oh, God, no, this is going to happen. And it, it happened. And <laughs> it, 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 it's just so tragic because it, 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 kind of the weird thing about the whole thing was that um, I think the stewards only gave Nico a warning after yeah. all that, which I'm nothing against Nico, but you can't, you know, whether it was intentional or not, you have to you have to penalize that because Mikhail um, did a, had a similar incident uh, at turn two in the first lap where he just uh, broke himself. He took he pretty much wiped yeah. out. Well, he didn't wipe out someone. He pretty much pushed uh, whoever he did well off track, and he got a two second penalty for that. So yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's like Dude. how does that even I don't even understand that logic but yeah again I that feel really the... bad for Andrew because he should have I really think that he should have um, been to finals one way or another and of course the, the day before he was driving for Lexus and because he had to start 
he started that race at uh, for Manuel. He was all the way in the back. It's kind of like mm-hmm. he just did not. I mean, he did win the one race, but otherwise he just could not catch a break. And I, and yeah, North America collectively could not catch a break. We didn't have uh, a chance to even have a showing this time. But, uh, you know, stuff happens. And uh, that was a very flip-floppy race. Like you said, Mikhail, uh, or also known as Lightning, he just went through this pass, didn't work out. There were like 20 cars, seemingly 20 cars, <laughs> trying to go into turn two. And it was just never going to yeah, end and without tears. And so... And just a quick, just, yeah, and just a quick mention, yeah, Mikhail's... Um, whole weekend was just pretty much oh i mean he seemed kind yeah of it was pretty much a disaster because you know the kind of the running joke with him was like he's he's gonna just end up finishing second somehow and no he, he kind of wish he finished second because it was just, <laughs> yeah. from the beginning it just he didn't yeah. um he didn't qualify well for, well first off he wasn't even in the manual races because i believe like i said I believe it was based on an exhibition. I think he had, he was with McLaren, which um, if you ask him, he hates or that. Subaru or was it McLaren? I think it was. I'm pretty sure he was with McLaren. I think yeah, you're for right. For that one right, season, yeah. and so if you ask him, he hates that car. He hates he hates the Group Three car with an absolute passion. He would never yeah, ever Nick McMillan he's never well. ever going to drive that car ever again. And so McLaren didn't qualify for Manu, and so he didn't. It was kind of weird not to see him even race. Uh, day one and then day two. Like I mm-hmm. said, he just he didn't qualify well enough uh, with the uh, uh, whatever that combo was. And I think uh, from my understanding, like the the car that he had for Nurburgring was actually one of the worst cars out there. Like the TVR Tuscan, I believe it was. Like oh was, yeah, he was in the Tuscan. Yeah, so mm-hmm. my understanding, like that's like that's like one of the worst cars. And then oddly enough, um, um, just as I know, he's a big Subaru fan. And so you had Danny Salas in the Subaru uh, ahead of him for for the majority of the race. So I thought that was a bit ironic. Like he's um, he needs to get around him. But in the back of my mind, like is he just letting the Subaru be ahead of him because it's a Subaru? <laughs> he's like, gosh, that car's yeah. pretty. I can't pass it. Yeah. <laughs> it looks too good. Man, but yeah, well, there he, that was unfortunate. But we had some triumphs because of that action uh, and two big ones it was uh matt simmons also known as mint gtr he was able to get through all of weave duck and weave all through that stuff and was able to qualify for the finals which is awesome and we had two australians or uh air quotes and their <laughs> asterisk two australians <laughs> in the final uh but then the other guy i forget his name you're talking about I for forget. nations yeah the other for the Repetage race, there was another big kind of winner. I think it was Mira. It was either Mira or um, I forget. Anyway, oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, I'll be honest. I can't quite remember as much for Nation. French dude. Yeah, French dude got through, got into the top four, got to the finals. But uh, yeah, bad the uh, the rain race. We, but okay, other to close it off. We had a great consequence of two of the strongest drivers in the world not qualifying andrew defson and uh not those are two people so andrew is defson I, I gotta pick a name to go with i'm just gonna call him deffy and then we'll have lightning and the other car they both had a the very first ever drift uh <laughs> drift session like drift competition in the in the rain in gran turismo hmm because they were just they their races were over so they they were just having fun and it was really cool that the directors showed the end part of it yeah that was kind of cool yeah 
that was cool. Yeah. I'm very sad for Deffy. Yeah, man. And I mean, what do you what do you think, Tristan? Is it kind of a since ever since our repertage stuff in the first season, in the first year of uh, esports, Gran Turismo live racing, the repertage races have been, you know, really wacky. They they've been built for drama. I mean, well, we have to have our elbows out to do well in the championships that we play from home. And then we get to the regionals, and then we're even more elbows out because we know how much it matters. And then you get to a repercharge, and it's like, oh, man, this is the last chance. My elbows are already, like, fully extensions. <laughs> you know, what am, I've got to put on, like, elbow guards with, like, spikes on them and some mace, you know, and, and that's that's the repercharge. Um, I think... Uh, I think Nico's mistake was honest, but um, forgivable. It's hard to say. I I remember the there was a race that um, what was it? It was one of the finals, I think, at Vegas, where um, uh, Fabian uh, broke way too late at Fuji and just uh, and got onto the grass. I think he was driving the Audi R8 and and flew past everybody, uh, just breaking way too late. Like the the red mist of of the late breaking duels, um, we we can all be victim to our own hubris when it comes to that. Um, Nico's immediate regret uh, was uh, appeared to be sincere. Um, you know, in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. It's it's you always want to avoid that kind of a situation. Um, but uh, you know, actions our actions and the past is history. What can you say? It's it was kind of a roll of the dice for those sort of things, and and Andrew, what could he be done to avoid it? Uh, barely anything, other than, you know, what are you going to do? Drive with your mirrors and avoid something like that, and not pay attention to driving the line and going fast, or driving the line and going fast, and uh, knowing that you're going to leave yourself vulnerable to possibly someone who's just overzealous under the brakes on a wet track. It's just a racing thing. Yeah, I can definitely see it's heartbreaking. Though it was, it was like that moment on uh, the Simpsons when um, Lisa broke. Um... Oh, I forget his name. I'm sorry, Tristan. I might remember. <laughs> yes, describe Valentine's the character. Day you're episode, thinking of. The little kid with oh Ralph. uh, Ralph. Ralphie. Yeah, he saw his heartbreak breaking live in slow motion. <laughs> yes. In slow motion. Yes. <laughs> sorry i love that scene oh it's it's legendary but yeah i saw that because like we said earlier it was all the emotions were caught fully by those genius production camera pointers and that's you know that's what it's all about right it's it's about capturing the emotion they the drama brings in the views and uh, what more can be said? It, it's got to be distilled uh, almost backwards into this raw element of drama. Oh yeah, yeah, and you, they do all they can to build that up, and uh, it may or may not be right, but uh, they're trying their hard- hardest to bring in the views with a proven formula. So yeah, yeah, man. Uh, so but that leads on nicely into the final race, the showdown in the Red Bull X twenty. What year is it? The race of the, <laughs> the day, race of the I day. think. Sardinia, the longer layout. The it's pretty similar to the the Nations Cup finals that have preceded it. But um, yeah, we had a pretty all star showing for the top 
I mean, it was a it was a showdown, dude. Uh, it wasn't like Lamar in the first year final race in Monaco, where um, it kind of it was uh, uh, Igor on the back foot. This time he started in the front, and uh, everyone thought he was just kind of pulling. He thought, well, we thought he was going to pull away and just ride off into the sunset. But um, yeah, there was the uh, uh, the other uh, Spanish liveried car of. Coke Lopez, I think. Yeah, and then we had Makozi in his Australian car, and even Kukovan, right? I think. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, uh, just he, there was a bit of an overlap. He was he caught up, I think, to Coke. I want to yeah. say while they were both still behind Igor, or maybe like uh, they were uh, in the overlap after Igor had pitted, but before they had pitted, something like that. Yeah, he um, wasted a lot of fuel doing that. By the way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He for did. a second stop, it was yeah tragic. He was in the single digits, I think, for fuel. But yeah, he put on a good show. He definitely sweated the hell out of Koke. Poor guy, man. He's whole the whole race. He was on spa mode and not spa circuit. We don't want to open that can, but uh, he was definitely sweating it hard, and they, you could see it. But he was holding it together, though. I got you. As in not not geographic location, <laughs> but but humidity and temperature. Yes. Yes. And um, but I did like how fuel played into the whole thing because Igor was just Mister Consistency, you know, with his his face that never changes <laughs> once he's focused and just doing hitting his marks, not wasting too much fuel. And Koki was always there, but uh, he caught up slowly toward the end. But yeah, Igor held it together and was just it was a really fun to watch him in that first uh couple stints he started on softs i think as, as and um i, I think hook started on mediums but um uh Mikosi started on hards and when he was really bringing it together toward the end in that third stint where he was on hards or he was on softs rather and the re- and the uh igor was on hards he by the way he was driving brilliantly on the hards man that that was uh that was really that him driving on hards in those in those uh, ex those Red Bull cars is, is just ridiculous. I don't know how he can mm-hmm. manage that pace, but Nick should have had it, and uh, it ended up coming down to this three way kind of slap fight, or maybe just two, because most of the time it was um, Koke and uh, Mikozi slapping it out. But yeah, it came down to a certain corner where it looked like Koke was just sort of trying to. It was he was in one of those really tough situations where you're ahead of a guy trying to defend, but you're also running out of fuel, and you just aren't sure what to yeah. do. I mean, do you yield? What do you do? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole and it led to a moment. Yeah, that whole lap was just. Um, <laughs> you could tell that the stress levels were through the roof, and um, I could tell because he was putting Koke was putting his car in a defensive line. You know, even though that it didn't look like, you know, whoever was behind him had, you know, was close enough that they could lunge into the corners, but he was still putting the car in that position anyways, just kind of anticipating someone making a move. And then you had, um, you actually had two uh, separate incidents at the end, which are, you know, just reading through the YouTube chat, which, by the way, I shouldn't do that again, because it just riles up, <laughs> it just riles up my emotions when I read it, because some people just don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, but um, you had the two <laughs> separate 
incident, one where um, Koke was, he kind of put himself like on the defensive line, and then when he tried to turn in, he ended up hitting the barrier, he ended up hitting like the barrier a little bit, he clipped it a little bit, and so that kind of slowed down, um, I'm trying to remember, I think at that point, Makozi was right behind him, and Igor was right behind uh, Makozi, and so what happened, it was like a kind of like a chain reaction, like Koke bounced off the wall, and then that slowed down uh, Makozi, and then Igor kind of didn't really have anywhere to go, and so um, I know some people are like, oh, Igor took out Makozi. No, that's kind of more like a chain reaction, because Koke, you know, by accident hit the hit the barrier, and then that kind of slowed down everyone. It was kind of like a chain reaction type of deal, where um, Igor, you know, Igor didn't really have anywhere to, you know, you kind of you you don't anticipate something like that happening there, to you know kind of you kind of when you're following uh, a car from behind you expect them to do certain things and you know you kind of get into a rhythm like okay at this corner you do this and then you accelerate this one point and then last lap is like oh something different happened and you don't expect it and so that's kind of the way I saw that part of it and I think Igor got a penalty for that which was kind of I didn't quite. I actually didn't quite agree with that one, but um, it didn't affect the end result, anyways. Um, the bigger incident, obviously, was the last corner because um, there was a lot of speculation on what actually happened because it um, could tell that uh, Koke actually had a, a kind of a good. I thought he had a good enough gap that he could take a normal line, but then Koke decided to take a defensive line for some. I don't know. It kind of felt kind of strange to me that he took a defensive uh, defensive line at the last corner because it allowed Igor to kind of come up to his outside. But it looked like um, and it Koke looked a little bit slow going to that corner too. So there was speculation on whether he was actually out of fuel. But I don't believe he was at that point because he still um, was able to run towards the line and then he ran out of fuel. And then you got Makozi on the soft tires. I think he was just trying to charge in. Uh, I think his intention was to get around Igor, but then um, he he kind of went in too hot. He hit Koke, and Koke obviously went off, and then um, Igor was able to get the run off the corner and yeah. ba- take the win for Nations. Which um, again, it's just it's just full of controversy. You ask one person, they'll ask different people. You get different opinions about everything that happened, but. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, to have two controversial finishes <laughs> for the live event, I don't. Part of me thinks that it's good for the it's good for the event overall. But some, I I know some people said that it's it wasn't a good thing. But um, I don't know. Well, it was. I mean, if Nick had pulled it off, that would have been one of the greatest winning final laps I've ever seen. But. He just it was one of those moments where you throw it in and you kind of hope for the best and it doesn't work out. So, but had he pulled it off, I think that would have been something insane. But he, a lot of people were saying, yeah, he should have won had he done this or that. But it's a should have, could have, would have stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just crazy that Nick was involved in both of these really close finishes and just just edged, just lost out barely. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, that, and on the record, sorry, but on just on the record because there was also confusion um, because the announcers were saying that uh, Koke got a penalty 
at the end. But uh, I think actually there was a post on GT Planet from um, the announcer saying that that was a mistake. It should it it was actually Nick that got a five second penalty for his contact with Koke, but because um, they those three guys were so far ahead of everyone else at the end, that penalty was it didn't. None of the penalties actually affected the end results. Well, the only thing that was impacted was Koke, unfortunately, which uh, I just want to put out there that he put out a great drive. I, I honestly didn't really think anyone was like, like you were mentioning earlier, I didn't think anyone was going to challenge Igor because Igor is just a monster in those machine at that with the X, uh, with the Red Bull. But Koke really gave him uh, a good fight. And he actually even had good strategy because he, extended his first stint by one lap and so he actually had uh fresher tires at igor starting from that point on forward like he ran the softer compounds an extra lap longer and so he only had to use the hards for i don't know four or five laps so that was really smart of him like he did i think he did everything he could he could have done possible to to win that race and again it's just unfortunate that um it ended the way it did Guys, 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 I've got a title for the nation's final. You ready? Yes. I'm very proud of it. All right. Are you sure you're sitting down? I am. Okay. Here it comes. Shootout at the Coke Corral. (laughs) (laughs) Coke Corral. All right. I'm glad that went over well. Dude, Ladies amazing. and You're gentlemen, just... we have a winner. <laughs> <laughs> that, that deserves an automatic invite to the next world tour. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, man. It's just all, all the margins are crazy. And uh, the Coke Corral, all he did was just <laughs> used a little bit too much fuel in his uh, when he was battling guys. And it, just a fraction too much. It would have, yeah, it could have been a lot different. But Nick making that, um, had anything been different in Nick's, uh, Makozi's race also, he made that, that reverse strategy work out so well. And I wish we w- could have seen a little bit more of his onboard uh, in his kind of first couple stints weaving through traffic. Like, who knows? Maybe he got into a big battle with someone. Had he not, maybe he would have easily you know gotten past in the pits type of situations but yeah i, I do love the format um it's we're, we're kind of starting to see the uh this uh tradition of having the final race be in these cars and these cars with adjusted physics uh, that are special to live events that they people can't practice for but now igor has i think uh, yes he's going to be much more dominating now that he has so much experience in these cars he's had like four events with that uh, red bull car yeah and he he was already the favorite from the outset because he's just so used to oversteer cars and junior formula racing and all of that so but now he's yeah it's pretty uh i think they might have to <laughs> reconsider using these cars for the future i'd be surprised if they were in the final events final live events for the um the actual final event for 2019 mm-hmm well, at least it's a North American who is winning. That makes me proud in a weird kind of continental way. Oh, well, he's from Brazil. Well, you know, we're connected by Atlantis, <laughs> right? America's, the, the, yes, the American. Former, he's he American. was part of the former America's region, so 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's it, it, it. That does bring a lot of pride because uh, a lot of people thought that our region and Oceania. So big ups to Mikozi and and Igor totally. for even though Igor, even though Mikozi is in Macedonia or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> great great event well, well hopefully the three of us can represent the next one i think Peugeot has a very good chance of making it to new york city actually no <laughs> no no i'm not saying i'm not saying that because you know the car or anything it's just the fact that that's new york has already been determined and so it doesn't matter what I think it was pre uh, exhibition that determined New York. So that's our, New York's already been settled. Oh my bad, Austria. There sorry, there you, go. You, yeah. you know what I mean. I mean, now that the the physics have changed, that car is uh, you know now that mid rears are not uh, smoking their back tires quite so much, and and everything is snow plowing. Uh, that Peugeot, that that VGT, that thing, you, you're hauling ass in it, my friend. And I think you can continue to do well. Well, see, and people didn't believe me, but 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 again, but again, like I said, it's still early. There's no guarantees about anything, but the fact that um, the, the, I, I I couldn't convince anyone in the preseason to join me, other than maybe like a hand, like maybe one or two people. But uh, I mean, I, I can't I can't lie. Like the 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 physics change. It didn't necessarily help Peugeot. It was more the fact that because they changed the physics, that they allowed people to switch manufacturers. That and the third part is the fact that only five out of the twenty rounds count. To, those two things were an absolute godsend because now it's like, okay, you don't have to worry about Group Four anymore. You don't have to drive that that car. Which, uh, by the way, if you guys haven't seen it already, there's like a meme version of the meme version of the group four as he said out there because it's just such a ter- even even now it's a terrible car it's not going to do anything <laughs> and uh the group three group three as he said is it's too slow given the current format but that vgt people just rag on um the vgt cards but hey you know i can't complain about the results because uh lewis out there in europe won a top split uh top split race with it at Le Mans and so he got the max 40 and I got 30 points for for the pug and because of that we got even more people interested in other regions for pug and so now we got support from all five regions right now which I am really Mm -hmm. excited about but again it's still there's still a long way to go but um, considering where I was standing in you know, with exhibition season to now, it's just night and day. It's just incredible that I actually have a chance now. And by the way, this this whole thing actually started well back last year when we were practicing for uh, regional finals last year because we were doing Dragon Trail, and I just happened to test that car out of. Okay, it's out there. I'm gonna go out and try it, and then I didn't dawn. It didn't. It dawned on me there, like, hey, this car isn't that bad. People seem to rag on it but it, it it seems to fit my it seems to fit my driving cell and like okay i'm gonna keep that in mind for the future and you know it's kind of the it's kind of the weird thing about um sometimes you, you never know when you're gonna find a nice surprise like that like with jaguar like how 
I Jaguar was not that bad of a car in season one, and no, like I had myself in Jomas, but then we had absolutely no one in Asia drive it, and so even now I'm a little bit salty that Jaguar is now quite a popular brand. But in season <laughs> yeah, one, were, me and Jomas like we couldn't get anyone in Oshie, anyone, yeah. anyone in Asia to join us, and so we missed out on finals, which. I'm so sad because we should have we, we we did everything we could have like we were both top ten in the standings and we didn't get to go. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, that was a shame. That was crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Then Lamar race this round uh, three was it of stage one yeah. manufacturers. Um, it, there were five in North America. There were five Jaguars in the top split for Lamar. <laughs> it was crazy, man. And thankfully, our boy Tim Lore sent in a good result for us. We had, it got a 2,500-point result. But that's uh, – I think we could talk more about that in another podcast. But I'd like to go on from here on to another topic at hand, that being uh, the 24-hour – you know, there was another race that actually happened. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah, the other race. <laughs> some, some people may think it's a little bigger than – the Gran Turismo Dork Fest that was happening in the studio there, wherever it was. But, uh, yeah, man, the 24 Hours of Nürburgring is one of the best racing events that uh, any fan of racing can go to. And it's just, it was so cool seeing, you know, some of these guys that have just turned 18, like Randall getting to go over there and on this racing pilgrimage so young. Uh mm-hmm. How amazing is that? And how old were you when you went, Tristan? Because I know you've been to the uh, Nürburgring 24 Hours as well. Uh, I first went in 2004, uh, so I was 20. Um, nice. That was amazing. Uh, I went with uh, a friend um, that uh, from England who uh, uh, we camped in a tent uh, up by Adenau Forest. Uh, kind of up uh, near the top of the hill, the highest one of the highest points in the course. Big camping area. Um, I remember we kind of picked a like a little nestled area away from the main street uh, or the main dirt road, thinking like, oh yeah, this will be like it will be we'll have our own space. We'll be able to pack up early, get out of here easy. We did not expect it to downpour the whole time, so we got stuck in mud when we tried to leave. Uh, but in the night, uh, when we decided to, um, you know, shack up in the tent, uh, we thought we were going to be warm enough. But the thing about Germany is uh, it gets extremely cold at night, even when it's like hot during the day. Uh, the, the cold, the, the the ground may as well be like a steel floor. It just sucks all of the heat out of you. So at, at two in the morning, I got out of the tent because I was just shivering. I couldn't sleep. Got in the car this uh, uh, BMW and just uh, let it idle and, and ran the heater. About 30 minutes later, my buddy got in the car with me and he's like, yeah, I, I also succumbed to the cold. Um, the whole time, the the shrill roar of uh, all sorts of race cars going past us, maybe 150 feet away, uh, made for quite a unique experience. Uh, that was an amazing pilgrimage. The, the first real kind of racing um, events that I attended, uh, you know, by myself. Um, I had only moved to Germany like four months prior to that. Um, so, uh, up until then, you know, I was still just like the high school kid used to having my hand held by my dad to go into NASCAR races. So this was, uh, amazing. That's awesome. What a cool race to experience in your first, um, independent sort of life. 
in a different place in a different country totally uh, was there any anything uh, really notable happened in that race that you can remember happening uh i think oh four was gosh i i don't remember who won i want to say it was manti it could have been bmw with uh the m3 gtr um I want to say 2004 was the last race that uh, um, Uwe Altsen was allowed to run his uh, his bi-turbo 911 race car mm. um, that had like seven, 800 horsepower, something ridiculous. Um, after that, uh, stricter rules were put in place so that it was, you know, everything had to be kind of uniform to GT3 class ACO um, VLN rules. And you, you couldn't really have like one-off specials like his car. Uh, his car was always the fastest car, but usually ran into some kind of reliability issues, <laughs> you might imagine. Oh, yeah. it, it looks so cool. It was black. like uh, If like Dale Earnhardt drove a Porsche, this is what it would look like. had a gigantic uh, intercooler scoop on the top of the hood, uh, all custom made. It was quite an intimidating car. So it was cool to see that on track for the last time. Nice. And I'm sure Sabine Smith was out there. Yes, uh, she was probably with uh, Fricadelli Racing. I think she's always been with like them. It's like a white and red Porsche oh, team, oh, cool. usually running like a GT3 Cup, something like that. Nice, so cool. I mean, that's some. That's definitely a dream. I mean, uh, just I don't know whether I'd pick Lamar. I mean, because I haven't been to either, but whether I'd go to Lamar or Nurburgring, why not do both? Maybe kind of thing. Both. Since I they're so both. close, Lamar Le- might be more of a proper and chivalrous and gentlemanly experience and that's not to say the Nürburgring is devoid of gentlemanly types it has plenty and everyone is very nice to each other but the Nürburgring is much more of a, a party I think yeah um uh, everyone is partying uh every 50 feet is a barbecue or a bonfire or uh, a three-story scaffolding building with uh, lawn chairs on the top. Um, they're just all over the place, and everyone is so welcoming. Um, heavy techno, German techno <laughs> beats just going on every other corner. Because the track is so big, um, the music kind of gets drowned out by the trees and the elevation and the hills like a couple corners away, so it's it's not like a overbearing noise fest. I mean, the cars do enough of that, but... Um, it's certainly a a lot of uh, nostalgic experience to uh, walk around a, a partial length of the circuit. It it would take hours to walk the the length of the whole oh. thing. But if you you can start at Adenau Forest and you can walk all the way down to Adenau Bridge, which is all just a downhill, but it's probably like a mile and a half, two miles of walking. So it's going to take you a little while, but um, you'll ex- you'll you'll encounter. Uh, a wide array of people uh, it certainly attracts it's like burning man for for car geeks mm-hmm. uh, it's going to attract people from uh all walks of life and all countries and um if you only speak english you're going to find someone who speaks english yeah. within seconds you know this is uh this is something that everyone should aspire to visit if they can nice well you certainly sold my ass on it i will try going as soon as humanly possible <laughs> there's there's just too much fun to, to pass up and it's uh i mean there's somewhere that 
I mean, I hope, I don't know how many guys are staying from the GT crew that's there now. Um, because obviously with the race, while the race is going on, the, the track's closed to the public, but getting to drive it is a whole other experience as well. And man, uh, I do want to give special shout outs to our buddy, Anthony Felix. Um, mm-hmm. he unfortunately couldn't race at uh, he couldn't take part in the racing that was going on for Gran Turismo, but um, everyone was uh, trying to help at their hardest, all the friends around, because we are like a big family. Uh, and one of the things that I think was super, super cool that I definitely have to mention is uh, I'm not sure exactly whose plan it was or who was fully responsible, but I know Daniel talked a lot about it and he showed a picture of uh, Kaz signing this Corvette model. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it happened out on the track during maybe like what during one of the grid walks or something like that. But uh, it it looks like that was the case. Uh, I I I think uh, I don't know whose idea it was originally, but I know uh, uh, Daniel Dodge Lamb um, may have initially brought up the idea. Uh, Deaf Son and Mister Stinky Bug and uh, Fabian um, Portia uh, all contributed and. Uh, there's a, a beautiful picture of, um, I think it, there's lightning and death sun and, uh, wind fire. Uh, there's like 15 guys all standing next to each other with Daniel holding the, the C7R 118th model that they got signed for ants. Um, and you know, when, when you're, when you've got something that, that prevents you from taking part in an event that you spent months trying to get to uh, a premiere event that you know you have something special in you to have even gotten there in the first place and then you just something happens and you can't do it it's heartbreaking um, and it could have been just as easy for all of these guys to have done nothing and just gone on with their lives and competed in the event themselves because um, to their credit it's the benefit of the doubt is that these guys have their their own um, build up that they need to overcome. Uh, it's it's like it's it's hard enough for one person to um, a, a, approach this event and uh, uh, be able to get through it, um, but for them to have the extra capacity to to think of their fellow competitor uh, who's down and out and to to go above and beyond and make something special for them. Uh, to let them know that they are part of the family, as you said, and uh, that everyone is thinking about them despite whatever happens in the competition, whoever wins or loses, um, they were able to demonstrate uh, a, a feeling of community uh, that, that frankly brings a tear to my eye. It's it's one of the sweetest things I've ever seen. It really is. What a triumph, man. Uh, I love that they did that, and I love how much they are supporting Anthony and how he is facing this head on and doing his best and, and doing all of these crazy things for the first time in his life, like traveling across the world. And he's definitely going to have his moment where he's going to finally get everything in order. And I expect nothing but the best from him. And he's so deserving of, of any, positive results that come his way i mean he's already shown how incredibly fast and consistent he is in the online portion but just watch out for him when you know whether it's the next live event or 
whenever he's going to show up in, in force and, and really show everyone what's good. And it's going to be one of the best moments. I think uh, one of the greatest kind of uh, stories of coming, of pulling himself out and, and you know, doing, going from uh, just, yeah, this that redemption. Redemption. Yes. Thank you so much for helping me with that. I'm a little drunk. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ants, if you're listening, I really look forward to losing to you. <laughs> yeah, put it that way. Insane. I'm rambling, but yeah, love Anthony is nothing but but awesome when we hung out in in Vegas regionals, and yeah, man, that's it's gonna be awesome in the future. Looking forward to meeting him again, uh, and we can cap this show off. I think with some talk from Rich's F1 experience because he got to meet a lot of, he had like a mini world tour in Montreal. We got to meet mm-hmm. a bunch of the uh, Turismo crew and other uh, random assortment of Canadians and Northeasterners from the United States. How did that all go down? And it, you know, I love how, how you put it that it was almost like a mini world tour event because in a way um, this was back, um, the original idea, I think, actually came when I was in Paris, and Defson had mentioned something about the Turismo group were trying to organize something so that we could go uh, watch F1 in Montreal. And uh, I gave it a thought because uh, at the time, I figured that, hey, uh, the odds of me ever making another live event are probably, they're only going to get even slimmer. Um from now on because like i said more people are going to be joining the gt community a lot of fast guys a lot of new names and it's just going to be a bigger challenge like i know for some like nations is pretty much that door is completely shut by right right now and manu like for a time it's like oh, there's no chance of me making it through manu because of the way they changed the system but um i kind of decided like you know what for once i want to be able to um I love going to live events. The only downside, obviously, is that, you know, you have commitments to make. You know, obviously, you're there to race. Um, you'll, you know, you're there. You know, every, everything's paid for. And so it kind of it's kind of fair that, you know, for the most part, you have to, you have to do whatever um, they tell you to do. Like, you got to go to the driver briefing and whatnot. You got to go here and there. And so you don't usually get too much time to um, do things outside of that environment. And so I figured that, hey... If I'm going to do one last trip for the year, then might as well just, you know, obviously going to be on my own dime, but to go out there and uh, visit Canada for the first time because I've never done that before and I've always wanted to visit Canada and to meet uh, even more people that I haven't met or maybe people that I've only met at regionals. And so it was kind of really a nice thing to get together with uh, some names that uh some faces that i've met before and then some uh faces that i haven't met before there there were a few surprises in there too like i met um what's his name nick i think it was nick from canada that the guy that uh, i consider to be like my i feel like he's my he's like my canadian brother or something because um or my canadian clone because it, it seems like we're the few times that we get to race each other we're all we're always qualifying right next to each other and we're always racing each other and it, it was just like that was like one nice surprise and then we actually brought my uh for people that don't know i had brought a 
PlayStation 2 to Paris uh, with Gran Turismo games, and that proved quite popular. So I did that again for uh, for this trip, and again, it was a big hit. Everyone loved it. We had <laughs> we we pro we almost missed uh, F1 qualifying because we were busy trying to do something on GT2 or GT3. Like we were that enthralled with it. Um, so we got to do that. We um, we got to see sights and sounds of Montreal. We were uh, we ended up being fascinated. Uh, I think it was on the last night. We were fascinated with this park where they had these weird. Uh, I can't even describe it. Like it's one of those things I can't even describe. It's like it's this artistic thing that was like a bird type of thing. We were we spent a fair amount of time just trying to figure out what that was. It was. It was so surreal, but it was kind of it was kind of surreal, funny, but kind of like a nice little moment that we had. Um, we also did um, we did go we did go karts. We we did outside uh, outdoor go karting, which I almost didn't go to, which was in retrospect was so silly. Like I that was like probably like the hmm. I would say that's one of the highlights because um, these things were pretty fast. The course was really fast, um, and my times were. Actually, considering like I've only done it once or twice ever, and th those were both indoors, to go outside and be within two to three seconds of the fastest guys have done this for all their lives. It's like this is awesome. Like I could actually be decent at this, but you know, who was the fastest? Um, though, in the group? <laughs> I think it was less. Uh, I think it was Lester, but don't quote me on that. Ah. I can't quite remember. It was him or Turismo DJ, one of the two. I. C uh, I can't quite remember, oh, but cool. yeah, we were, um, I was like 13th out of, no, I think it was like 11th out of 16th, and that was like two seconds, for at least for qualifying, I was, about, I was about like two seconds off the pole time, but I think we set, um, I'm not sure if we set a track record or not, or not. I don't think we actually did, but we, we did set a few records out there, like we had our names out there, like, I know that, um, Jamal Racing King said a really good time. Like he was proud of that. Um but yeah, like that that experience was just sublime. Like I it's like again, I I feel so silly like I almost didn't go to that cuz like oh, I'm going to be in the way. It's like no, just go out there, have fun, just enjoy the, the, the enjoy the ride of going. I think we ended up like going like almost 50 miles an hour outdoors. Going through these corners, Are you mad? yeah, we we're going almost fifty miles an hour. We're going flat out through these corners, it's just <laughs> absolutely insane. It's just, um, I just wish it, it was so funny because I I think the the first two sessions, like we had practice and qualifying, they felt so long, and yet the race itself, like I saw the checkered flag at the end, I was like, wait, it's over already? I was like, come on, I'm just getting started here. I was like, damn, I was just starting. To... Damn, that sounds like a legit cart place. Yeah, though. it was. Like, um, we don't have anything. Yeah, it was, like that it, it was pretty Ours, far away from Montreal and. And so it took a while to get there, but it was it was that was a blast. And it, it, it's it's funny, it's like I'm rambling on about all these things. I haven't even gone to the F1 race. Like that was like I was like an afterthought. Like it's that's kind of the <laughs> that's whole. Awesome. It's kind of, kind of the point. Like we went there to go watch F1. Uh, most of the guys had grand, uh, had general admission, and so they had to find their spots. I happened to have a grandstand ticket, so I was sitting. Um, past the hair. Uh, forget the name of that hairpin. It's down. That, oh, the the moose knuckle. Yeah, I was like I, I was like I was on that back straight, like past the hairpin down that back straight towards um, the last chicane in the Walla Champion. So that was kind of like in those last grandstands there, and um, 
the only downside, oh, other than the fact that he had that controversy with Vettel, and well, we won't get into that. Cause that could be its own. <laughs> that, that could probably be his own podcast if we start talking oh, about yeah. that. But because um, I mean, before that, like there was a great battle going on and whatnot. Like you could tell, like oh, Hamilton's getting closer to Vettel, and you could tell oh, this right at the DRS race. So that was shaping up to be a great finish and. That you know, kind of got spoiled a little bit, but um, the only real downside to the event was the weather was just—it um, was just too warm. <laughs> it was hot. That uh, whole weekend <laughs> was just a little bit too hot warm and for humid. my taste. Yeah, for my taste. You are in the middle of a lake, a uh, river thing. Water, yeah, so. so you got the humidity. It was like eighty. I think it was like over eighty degrees that day. And I think it was—I'm um, not sure. If, I think I read this somewhere. I think it was like the warmest Montreal GP ever. Yeah, man. I mean, you saw the evidence of that in the McLaren, like melting. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the racers. Yeah, I think everyone was commenting that it was a really, <laughs> it was a really warm day out there. Like it was only, it it wasn't like Vegas type of heat, but you did have the humidity and whatnot, and um, just being out there in the grandstands with no shade whatsoever. And you know, I had um, uh, Andrew Deffy bought me a hat, and I unfortunately I. I Mispl- well, technically, it's misplaced. I misplaced my hat, and so I didn't have my hat on Sunday, which happened to be the warmest day, and so I had to use a um, Jacob uh, Jacob Boss gave me a Turismo shirt to try to sell, but I ended up just putting it over my head because it was so it was so it was mm-hmm. so warm, but I had no other way to cover myself. So I was like, oh, I brought this. Aww. So nice. So I, I covered myself with that. But, yeah, like I said, just just so many. So many great memories out of Montreal. Like, oh, and we were like sitting by the shade, and then you had the Porsche uh, GT. I think it was a GT3 oh, car. Yeah, they. Yeah, yeah, we were like in the right spot. Like that's where like all of those cars get in and out of the track, and so they all came out and they parked right next to us, and so we got some great pictures and videos. And I put those yeah, up on my Facebook. Those are and, awesome. Yeah, you can see everything. Um, I have it on my Facebook, and then the Turismo group has. Uh, their own videos and whatnot. It was it was just a great event, just meeting everyone and getting to do F one. And the only downside was my actual trip back, but I won't get into it because that's a long oh, yeah. story. But but, but again, it's just a wonderful, theme. just a wonderful event. And it's awesome, man. I'm so glad you had a you got to have a good time with the Turismo crew and got to meet a few of the. Uh, you got to put faces to names that you've only seen as names, and and you got to be in a another magical spot i wish i could go to montreal just to check out the track someday so that's that's really awesome man i'm glad both of you guys have such awesome storied yeah. histories with motor uh, racing yeah. in both forms and one final uh one final little ask well one little yeah. nugget um it probably was a foreshadowing thing with what happened with um, andrew at germany but there was a thing about us because they have like uh, several spots on the track you have this f sign it just says f on it and so oh, we ended yeah. up taking pictures with that f sign and one of them is andrew uh with the f and so it was kind of appropriate like i started posting that picture um once i calmed Rest down after what happened to him so i started putting hey, i just started putting that everywhere it's like oh my god like we just it must have been foreshadowing like he pick, takes a picture with the f and then after what happened to him, like I think that picture now <laughs> is quite appropriate. It's a cursed image. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for sticking it out with me, guys, in the longest episode of Grand Troopers Bros history so far. <laughs> but that was really Absolutely. fun. There was so much to talk about, and 
uh, next time that we uh, get you, Tristan, next time all our listeners get to listen to your wonderful voice, it's going to be married. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Going to the chapel, gonna get <laughs> married. I did that wrong, but, you know, close enough. Yeah, dude. One week. Six days, actually. And uh, I will have uh, some titanium and some, um, uh, uh, what is it, uh, meteorite on my finger. Oh, that's that'll, amazing. I love those. With some uh, redwood inlay. That'll that'll be my uh, symbol of union. And and will it make me faster? Well, it better because <laughs> we're putting a putting a lot of work into this. So uh, yeah, dude, uh, I'll tell you all about it. Um, Can't wait. We got we we've broken the back of all the logistics, and now it's just waiting for things to fall into place. Um, and I took the week before and the week after off of work, so I don't have to worry about that crap anymore. Uh, oh, it's great working for Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you for for. Um, you know, mentioning that, and um, yeah, it will. Uh, I'll, I'll have you guys uh, in my heart while I go through that oh, process. Man. I hope yeah. you do, and and it it'll bring me great uh, pleasure to to tell you about it. Best wishes, man. I mean, it's big. It's a big part of uh, just getting to know you because ever since I've known you, it was a, it was a thing on the horizon, and it's finally come to to uh, it's come time to to do it, and there's no backing out you're doing it it's gonna be awesome and uh, i love you guys together and it's gonna be really cool to to see y'all living your life out over there and uh, for sure hopefully see you soon but yeah because my plan is laguna seca indycar final race yep. it's gonna be yep. it's going down <laughs> you better stay at my house we'll get hiff together hell yeah all right rich all right tristan thank you so much for joining me this has been uh an insane feast of knowledge and uh and speculation and we will definitely be doing it again soon thanks to all the listeners who stuck it out i i know i don't know if these two hours have seemed like they've flown by but i hope they have <laughs> uh, i hope you i hope you've not noticed that these two hours have flown by oh yeah so, yeah uh, thank you very much for putting this on eddie uh rich a digital high five my digital man digital high five fan and congratulations. Thank you very much. Right. Look forward to seeing you guys next time. See you next time. Peace.